we have to timestamp this because like tweets are coming out um in in the moment. Uh it's 12:39 now on mm-hmm. what what is it Monday? Monday. Um before free agency. Uh we've just got uh <laughs> it's you, you have to you have to laugh. So there was a story that dropped from Chris Winfield, uh former KFS podcast guest back in friend, the old friend, old friend friend of the pod, sorry. Friend of the pod. Um back in the old days. Uh in which he basically reported that the Nets are allowing they're allowing <laughs> allowing Kyrie Irving to seek out sign and trade, potential sign and trade scenarios uh with other teams. Which was followed up within the hour, roughly, by a Woj tweet saying, I, I have to read. Can we just read the tweet? Read it. Go ahead. <laughs> it's just great. It's like, this is a Woj. Woj has some moments. I know he some Nick fans hate him, and that's fine. But he has some moments that you just have to laugh. ESPN sources, I wonder from where. Outside of the Lakers, there are currently no known teams. I wonder why. Hold on, John. John, compose yourself. No known right. teams planning pursuit of signing trades for Nets guard Kyrie Irving. You have to. No. You left. You don't tell me not to laugh. Because, laugh. like, duh, no shit. Yeah, I wonder why we don't want to max out the guy that doesn't play. You know. Um, and then no signing trades yeah. can be formally discussed until after because they're not being discussed right now. I think that made me laugh more than anything else. Can be discussed until after six p.m. on Thursday. Brooklyn isn't to believe to have interest in available Laker packages. There's three hilarious things on here. On here, the Lakers packages tampering will not happen, but until six p.m. on Thursday, and Kyrie Irving having trade destinations. It's the, it's the trifecta. Yes. Whoa, go into stand up, please. Um. So. I know this isn't we don't this is not a next podcast, even though it is a next podcast. Mm-hmm. Not, but it from a from a general NBA point of view, it it is fascinating to consider the Knicks in this little song and dance that is going on because they occupy the very unique position of being quite literally the only one of the of the well, 29 other teams, not the Nets, um, that can conceivably open up cap space to just to just sign Kyrie Irving to a, a contract, a max contract if they want to. And this is a team that I, I still remember Steve Mills' face at the at Media Day. What did he, what were his words about Plan B? Uh, uh, you didn't you remember better than I would. I I kind of blacked out that entire period of. My life, you know, was Nick's content. You know, you know, what was great about that that the 2019 20 media day is like they got like the smallest step and repeat mm-hmm. ever for the backdrop for like oh, when God. they tried it out, Bobby Portis and like Taj Gibson and this and that. Uh, but yeah, Steve Mills got up there and be like, yeah, this wasn't our plan. Yeah, no shit. Um, you know, they were devastated. They were mm-hmm. absolutely devastated about something that apparently they were the last ones in the league to know. You know, was not going to happen. And now here we are three years later. It's not exactly as if the Knicks are world beaters. <laughs> they just came off a season which has people, you know, folks like the ringer and whatnot going back to their LOL Knicks takes. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the Knicks have done anything great since then. And yet, by all indications, the Knicks have no interest in opening up Max Caps base when and just to be very clear. And again, we're not going to we'll do 
this from a general NBA perspective, but it needs to be said because it colors the entire Nets and Kyrie discussion. They can, I don't know what exactly it would take. They just acquired some more first round picks the other night, as we've been discussing. They could just trade away one of, one of these picks and, and offload Evan Fournier's salary pretty easily. Like mm-hmm. Evan Fournier had more three-pointers than anybody in basketball from January 1st to the end of the year. He's not a bad player. He's a little overpaid, but he's not a bad player. They can get off that salary in a heartbeat. That plus perks, there's your 42 point whatever million. Um, you know, and it, it doesn't seem like they want to do that, which is find it interesting. So it's funny. We did have this conversation on the on the main pod, right? Like, yeah, more or less. The basketball reasons are few not to go after Kyrie. Like, there is like a defensive thing. There is a he's technically a number two, doesn't really raise the Knicks' current ceiling that high. Um guys like but, to play as as Zach, where'd you get your drink? As Zach Lowe pointed out on his last pod, um, he is a guy that has I think pretty much universal respect around the league. That's the thing. He still has like wizard like ability with the ball and is one of the most gifted offensive players to ever play basketball. So I like I do understand if there is a Knicks fan listening to this that heard us laugh at the notion of what's happening to the Nets. (laughs) I just if you want to compare situations. The Brooklyn Nets and all their culture and this stupid practice facility that apparently won them the lottery two years ago because Kenny Atkinson wakes up early is why Kevin Durant wanted to go there. Or he just wanted to see it, by the way. Yeah, I've like I haven't been to it, but I have seen like when the the talk of the town was like the Knicks practice facility is in Canada and the Nets practice facility is a hop, skip and a jump from the city. I was like, let me see this thing. Oh, it actually does look nice. I don't think it mattered. I think Kevin Durant wanted to go live in New York and the Knicks were significantly more dysfunctional than the Nets were, especially someone that had just torn his Achilles and wanted to be closer to winning than going to the team that had the worst record in the NBA last year. Hi, everybody that wants to tank and attract free agents. Hold on. Can we we dispense with the fucking practice? I know. I'm bringing it up as a joke because it has nothing to do with with the reason that the Nets had that successful offseason. They built from within like the culture thing. I actually do believe that there was a clear like competence show by that front office. They got Joe Harris for nothing. They traded the 27th pick for D'Angelo Russell and turned him into an all-star. The Karis Leverts of the world, finding Spencer Dinwiddie and making him a, a sixth man candidate. Like I understood Katie and Kyrie going there for that, every that- reason, except like I'd never understood somebody wanting to go to the nets, but take the New York nets out of it out of out of the equation it's like all right they're they're closer to winning and like make more sense to go there than to what the knicks have right now so a couple things one what we learned that day is that any knicks mystique that any of us thought still remained i don't want to say it was officially gone Mm -hmm. but it, it is it is not enough to overcome other issues within the franchise and other, uh, you know, skepticism and, and those sorts of things. All that said, everything you just brought up about like being closer to winning and like the culture and this and anything. That's nonsense. I, I'm sorry. It's I, in terms of what what convinced them to go there, mm-hmm. because Kevin Durant told us why they wanted to go there. And Kyrie Irving told us in a different way. And the two mo- the, if there are two quotes that are going to stick out to me over for the to, to define the last three years of the Nets and look, Maybe Kyrie goes back and maybe KD goes back and they happily win a championship next year. 
It would not shock me. I'm telling you right now, it would not shock me. If this is it, though, the two quotes that are going to stand out for me are one, when Kevin Durant, I don't know when he actually said it, but I'm pretty sure he said it. I just want to hoop and chill, right? Isn't that something you said? He wanted wanted less, the less drama. Yeah, he wanted to go someplace and play basketball. And and hand in hand with that is Kyrie Irving. What he said after the season is that I forget. I'm going to butcher the exact quote, but basically, when he looked at himself as on par with the owner and president of the team (laughs) in terms of running the basketball operation, they were going there with the dual like goals of like, it's going to be chill. We get to call our shots. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good team. If we want the coach fired, we'll get the coach fired. If we want a different starting center, we'll get a different starting center. We'll get our boy DeAndre paid $40 million. That's why they went there. Mm -hmm. I think that like did the Knicks dysfunction leading up into 2019 have a little something to do with it. Sure. But like, like let's not pretend this was about anything that it wasn't. So the Matt Sullivan book can't knock the hustle, which I recommend Knicks fans read during the summer. It's actually a really fascinating read. It, it it speaks to what you're talking about. And I think what I'm saying is that the Knicks dysfunction helped in that Katie and Kyrie weren't going to be able to go run an NBA franchise. If they went to the Knicks, they had that oh. opportunity when they went to the nets. I do think winning played a part in it. Sure. But because like, the Knicks were the worst team in the NBA that year. The Nets were like the, the PR of the move made more sense. You could sell it. Like, listen, this team made the playoffs last year and they had the cap space to fit us in and like pieces that either we can, you know, integrate into a, a contender or trade for a third guy. Um, the Knicks I, had the third pick in the draft. And I know RJ had RJ Barrett hadn't played a game yet, but I, I would argue he had as much trade value then as he does now. Um, they could have they could have moved him and gotten gotten well, themselves, so, you know, fair. And I just I keep going back to that summer of uh, this is back in the nothing but Knicks days of I'm not trading Kevin Knox for Anthony Davis. Um, oh, but that goes out the window. If they I know, get I know. those two guys, and I'm they saying put like, whatever team they want. I agree with you. My point being, like, I I think the Knicks were never going to give two stars free reign to run the team. That's because like, that's not how they operate. Right. That's, Which, not, how that, like, that's not how this organization operates. It's funny. Like, we say that almost as a knock on them that they don't like bend the knee to player empowerment. Yet here we are. Yeah. Look at what bending the knee to player empowerment has done to the Nets. Look at the situation they found themselves in. Kyrie's allowed to think of himself as on par with the ownership. And look where it has them. He's looking to get out of it. And I, this, this, the James Harden part of this cannot be mm. understated, cannot be overstated enough. They traded everything, all of their culture, three of their core players, control over their draft for the next eight years. And it started this year. Okay. They, they traded their culture in the moment they signed or trade, signed and traded, whatever, KD. Mm-hmm. And that was when the culture, they traded in everything else in the Harden trade. And I'm so happy you brought up Harden because that was going to be my next point, which is that I think the larger discussion here to, to expand it from the nets. And again, this feels a little bit like putting someone in the grave when there's like, what's like, what comes before life support? What's like when you, when they're in like a coma and they think there's a chance they can wake up still. Um, I think that that's what it's called. A coma. Like they're not brain dead yet. 
Yes, they're, <laughs> they're, they're medically induced coma. That's I what it that. is. Okay. I love how I brought the conversation there. Yes. Um, you're welcome, America. Uh, the... <laughs> The, the conversation, the larger conversation about the price you pay when you give your organization over to a star and whether there is ever a scenario where it is worth it. Because mm-hmm. you, you brought up Harden. The Rockets did this and it it kind of sent them spiraling down until they found a team in the Nets who were able to re stock the cupboard. So maybe the moral of the story is like, if you could give yourself over to a superstar, you do it. And then worst case scenario, it doesn't work out. And you just trade that star for a bunch of shit. Like, cause like, let's be real about this. And this is why this is different than the KG uh, Paul Pierce trade. If the Nets wind up trading Kevin Durant, they're going to restock their, mm-hmm. they're going to lose probably for a couple of years, but they're going to restock their cupboard and they'll just go forward navigating that way as the Rockets are doing now. And I think most people will talk about the draft in a bit are pretty excited about what's in store for the Rockets. But in a perfect world, you have a marriage of player and culture, which is what gets you to Steph and the Warriors and to a lesser extent, Jimmy Butler and the heat, mm-hmm. you know, and that, you know, but like I, I, to me, I find that a fascinating conversation. Like the Cavs gave themselves over to LeBron for all those years they got one championship out of it. Now, part of that was dysfunction in the Cavs part. I think part of that was maybe a little bit of LeBron. I, they made the finals four times and lost to one of the greatest teams ever. I don't think anything okay. they did was like, I think the reason they didn't win more championships is because the Warriors happened, you know? That's, that's fair. I guess maybe I'm, no, their first run with LeBron, that was more their fault because they just did not build that team properly. So like Kevin uh Kyrie Irving got hurt game one. Kevin Love got hurt in the first round of the playoffs. Like, yeah. like you and here's my drinking game. Zach Lowe um says all the time that the 2017 Cavaliers are one of the best offensive teams he's ever seen and would yeah. should be regarded as such, but they ran into arguably the greatest team ever assembled that that 2017 Warriors team yeah. you know and well and in any case i think let's put lebron aside because i'm yeah. i'm usually harder on lebron than i than he deserves but like it it definitely when you see stuff like this happen it makes me appreciate steph curry tim duncan you know you want to throw dirk Nowitzki in there like those guys who really just like they never you know they they were part of the culture as opposed to th- a thing that went against the intent of the culture. 